Evidence and Answers. Recently, the Supreme Court of the United States struck down the Defense of Marriage Act, a bill that defined marriage as the joining of one man and one woman. This bill was declared unconstitutional, and now the door is wide open to legalize gay marriage throughout the country. This should raise the concern of every citizen of this nation. History shows us the nations rise and nations eventually fall. History also teaches us that nations fall from within before they succumb to a foreign power. The average age of the great civilization is around 200 years old. Countries like Great Britain exceed the average, while other countries like the United States are just now reaching the average age. What are the signs of a nation in decline? Are we the generation that will witness the decline and eventual fall of the U.S.? Events in recent days should raise our concern. However, there is hope for renewal of our nation. What factors lead to a nation's renewal? You're listening to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author and teacher in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Join Pat today as he reveals stages of a nation's decline based on Paul's teachings in Romans chapter 1. I hope you will take the time now to listen and ponder the insights from Paul's letter and reflect on the recent events in our nation. Here's Pat now. All right. Well, as we begin then, let's pray together. Father, challenge us through your word, Paul's letter tonight in the book of Romans. In Jesus' name, amen. History shows us that nations rise and nations eventually fall. And in his book, The End of Christendom, historian Malcolm Muggeridge makes this very powerful observation. He states, I conclude that civilizations like every other human creation wax and wane. By the nature of the case, there can never be a lasting civilization any more than there can be a lasting spring or lasting happiness in an individual life or a lasting stability in a society. It is in the nature of man and of all that he constructs to perish, and it must ever be so. The world is full of the debris of past civilizations, and others are known to have existed which have not left any debris behind them but have just disappeared. History also teaches us that nations fall from within. They commit suicide before they capitulate to a foreign power. This is the pattern we see throughout the Old Testament with the nation of Israel and with other civilizations. And history has shown us that the average age of the great civilizations is about 200 years. Now certain nations like Great Britain exceed that while the United States has just recently reached that average. Now, historians often attribute the collapse of a nation to economic, political, or social factors, but ultimately, if you study it, the problem is ultimately spiritual. And are we the generation that will witness the decline and eventual demise of the United States? Or is there another possible outcome for our nation in this generation? and in generations to come. Events in recent times should raise our concern, but not leave us in despair. Now, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, outline the stages of a civilization's decline and eventual collapse. And the theme of Romans is the righteousness of God. And chapter 1 speaks of God's righteousness revealed in his judgment on mankind. And verses 18 through 32 presents reasons why God is just in his judgment upon mankind. And these verses 
present not only the consequences of the original turning away from God, but New Testament scholar Douglas Moo, who wrote one of the finest commentaries on the book of Romans, states that this foolish turning away from God and reaping the consequences is repeated in every generation by every individual and every civilization. In verses 18 to 32 reveal the decline of a civilization and culture as it turns away from God. It explains the process of decline that leads to its inevitable downfall. Now, step one, the rejection of God. Verses 18 through 20, Paul writes, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. Verses 18 through 20 states that creation clearly testifies to the existence of a creator. And the evidence for God is seen in his creation. And that evidence is undeniable. Creation every day is pointing its finger to a creator. It's very difficult to study the sciences and look at the intricacies of a cell in the nucleus of a cell. We are discovering now, you know, Darwin thought it was as complex as jello. We have discovered it as complex as a metropolis. That's how complex just the nucleus of a cell is. Creation every day points to an intelligent and powerful creator. And by studying creation, Paul states here that we can know the nature of God, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived from the things that he has made. Therefore, Paul concludes in verse 20, everyone is without excuse. Creation and our conscience Every day is pointing us to a creator. And he states in verse 21, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 21 states that although God's knowledge is known to all mankind, mankind rejects God. Now the word know there is not that mankind has a personal relationship with God, but that they are aware of God. Through creation and the conscience, the existence of God is undeniable. However, each one of us willingly chooses not to honor God, but to reject Him and live our own way. And as a result, Paul says, in their thinking they became futile and their hearts were darkened. Futile here means to become vain, destitute of real wisdom to be or act perversely or foolishly. Darkened here means unable to understand. So this does not mean that unsaved people cannot know truth. What it means is that their ability to think accurately about God has been damaged and their view of reality has become twisted. The results of turning from God is that their views of spirituality, morality, and reality become twisted. And perverted. So the beginning of a decline and self-destruction of a culture 
or civilization begins with the rejection of God. We see this throughout the book of Judges. Whenever the nation of Israel turned away from God, it fell into idolatry and eventually immorality and met its own demise. The nation then fell from within. And the book of Judges, the very last verse in chapter 21, verse 25, ends with this foreboding note. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. When a society rejects God, they reject the moral law of God, and we go from order and freedom to anarchy and eventually bondage. I recently interviewed Christian scholar Oz Guinness. Some of you may have heard that name. Dr. Oz Guinness is an author. He has written charters for nations signed by presidents and leaders of nations. He speaks regularly before the British House of Parliament, the United States Congress, the Soviet Parliament, the Academy of Science of China. He speaks to leaders all over the world. So it was a tremendous privilege to interview this guy. And he stated that in order for a nation to thrive and be free, the people must have virtue. There is a triangle of freedom, he states. Virtue comes from faith in a divine being. And only then can a society be free. All three corners of the triangle have to be there. You see, a democracy works only when the citizens are good and virtuous and can govern themselves. And only when there is a universal moral law which is in the hearts of each individual, then individuals live by a moral law code and govern themselves. Without a universal moral law by which we can measure right and wrong, a society crumbles into anarchy and a return to tyranny. Now this is nothing new. Our founding fathers understood that. John Adams, the second president of the United States, saw the need for religious values and a belief in a divine being to provide the moral baseline for any society. And he stated in a letter to the officers of the 1st Brigade of the 3rd Division of the Militia of Massachusetts, he said this, We have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions, unbridled by morality and religion. Avarice, ambition, revenge, or gallantry would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Now John Adams wasn't the only founding father to talk about the importance of faith in God and religious values. His predecessor, George Washington, in his farewell address, which very few of us ever learn about in school anymore, stated this, he said, and let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Whatever may be conceded to the influence of refined education on minds of peculiar structure, reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in the exclusion of religious principle. A society can only thrive if the people are good, if they are good, virtuous people, and what is the basis of your morality and virtue? 
of right and wrong based on a moral lawgiver, a God who has given us his moral law. More than ever, now then, in our post-Christian culture, we must be able to present a case for the existence of God and a God-given universal moral law. See, it's impossible to win the abortion debate without proving that God exists and he's established a universal moral law that values all human life by which we must abide. It's impossible for us to win the gay marriage debate without demonstrating there is a God who has given us a universal moral law which clearly defines what marriage is. We can't quote the Word of God to a society that rejects the existence of God. They simply look at you and say, there's no God, there's no God, there's no Son of God, there's no Word of God. Give me another kind of argument. For this reason, the ability to demonstrate the existence of God is critical to winning the war of ideas and maintaining a virtuous and good society. So today, in a post-Christian culture, training in the defense of the Christian faith and the Christian worldview is no longer an option for the Christian today who must take their stand against the culture intent on pushing God out of the very fabric of our nation. So the decline of a civilization or culture begins with the turning away from God. When a society rejects God, stage two follows. It then embraces false ideas. Verses 22 through 23. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Verse 22 says, Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool says in his heart there is no God. Now, verse 22 there, the word fool, the Greek word there is moreno. That's where the word moron comes from. <laughs> it means to make dull, to cause something to lose its taste or its purpose for which it was created. As a result of rejecting God, a nation goes to embrace idolatry, false religion, and false ideas. Idolatry is putting some aspect of God's creation, whether an animal or human or a material object, in the place of God. That is the essence of idolatry. And Paul records the foolishness of people who, given the opportunity to enjoy the glory of the immortal, eternal, everlasting God, instead choose to worship mortal idols and creatures that cannot fulfill their deepest longings or bring meaning to their lives or bring everlasting life. Looking for answers to the deepest longings of our hearts, we are quick to embrace false idols and false ideas that only leave us empty. Now, our culture today, having turned from God, has embraced a host of false idols and false ideas. Darwinian evolutionary theory led to the nation embracing the worldview of atheism. From atheism come the ideology of secular humanism. Man is the measure of all things. Man determines truth. Man determines right and wrong. And if man is the measure, we end up with relativism. True for you, but not for me. Therefore, no one has the truth. No one has the right to judge any idea as true or false. Relativism of truth, as we talked about last week, leads to 
moral relativism that states all lifestyles and beliefs are equally valid and true and no one has the right to say one belief or one lifestyle is wrong then we end up with one of the most dangerous ideologies of our time the new tolerance or what's often called multiculturalism traditional tolerance states that although I disagree with your belief or your lifestyle I will treat you with civility but I will not participate in your activities or your belief system and I'll do what I can to persuade you to the error of your ways and my position which I believe to be true that's the traditional tolerance hey okay? says we disagree but I won't persecute you or throw you in jail alright I'll treat you civilly but I'll do what I can to persuade you to my position the new tolerance built on relativism says this all beliefs all values all lifestyles are equally valid and true everybody's right nobody's wrong it's intolerant to say your beliefs are wrong or your lifestyle is immoral therefore we tolerate everything and if you tolerate everything you're gonna fall for anything and the twisting of tolerance is corroding our nation now the results of the new tolerance are being felt throughout all of Europe in February 2011 the New York Times reported that British Prime Minister David Cameron shortly after being elected stated in a speech that he gave which he said was one of the most important for the nation he stated that the decades-old British policy of multiculturalism the belief that all cultures values and lifestyles are valid and true and should be tolerated has failed miserably and now England and other European nations have become one of the largest breeding grounds for radical Islam he stated that the policy had allowed Islamic militants leeway to radicalize young Muslims some of whom went on to the next level by becoming terrorists and that Europe could not defeat terrorism simply by the actions we take outside our borders with military actions like war in Afghanistan he stated Europe needs to wake up to what is happening in our own countries he said we have to get to the root of the problem Chancellor Angela Merkel of Germany and French President Nicolas Sarkozy quickly echoed the words of Cameron in their nation as well left with an empty system of belief that tolerates anything we will be destroyed by those who have a belief system that will not tolerate us see when you have a belief system that does not stand for anything like relativism you'll fall for anything unfortunately many of these false ideas have been embraced by the church as well therefore every Christian every church must be able to proclaim truth but in our post Christian age it's not enough just to proclaim it one must be able to defend it in a culture that has rejected God and has embraced a host of false and dangerous ideas so the rejection of God leads to the embracing of false and dangerous ideas which inevitably leads to the rise in immoral behavior where sinful behavior is promoted as normal verses 24 through 27 Paul writes therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity 
to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. The rejection of God leads to embracing of false ideas and then the increase in immorality. Lifestyles which are destructive to any society. Verse 24 states that God gave them over to their passions. The term gave over is used in the Old Testament when God hands over Israel to her enemies so that they may be defeated by them. So in this way, God permits disobedient man to continue and indeed to plunge more deeply into the sin they have chosen. And the picture is like this. We're being swept downstream by a powerful current and God is there holding our hand. But we're saying, let go, let go. We want to do our own thing. And God says, all right. And he lets go. And he lets you get swept down by the current that you are choosing to go. Verse 25 states that God gives them over because they embrace the lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. And in verse 25, Paul gives us the meaning of what idolatry is all about. Putting some aspect of God's creation, an animal, a human, a material object in the place of God. That is the essence of idolatry. And in verse 26, the immoral behavior of homosexuality is highlighted here. Paul says, women exchanged natural relations describing the reversal of the proper sexual practice. What is natural? Men with women. That is how God has designed us. Homosexuality here is labeled at the beginning of this clause as sinful passions. The perversion of sex is connected with the rejection of God and the embracing of false ideas. And Paul says, Women exchanged natural relations, and men likewise gave up natural relations with women and when consumed with passion for one another. I remember speaking at the University of North Texas, and the University of North Texas is probably the third best music college in the country. And I didn't know at the time, me and my partner didn't know, we were speaking in the music dorm. We didn't know that. The music dorm is filled with those embracing the gay lifestyle. And we were in what's called the lion's den, where we present a case for Christianity, and then the next 40 minutes, you can fire away and ask any question you want. And the first question was, is homosexuality a sin? Of course, not knowing where I was, I looked, I said, well, sure, yeah, the Bible makes it pretty clear. That place erupted. They were ready to stone and kill us. And they said, where do you find it anywhere in the Bible that it is sin? Where? I said, well, Romans chapter 1. And I read them this passage. And they said, that's homosexual rape, not two consenting adults. That's what it's all about. And I said, well, let me see here. It says, natural relations, verse 27, men with women, unnatural men with men. 
or women with women. So natural, men with women. Unnatural, men with men, women with women. Okay, verse 27, gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. So I said natural, men with women, unnatural, men with men. I said, I don't know how much clearer it can be. And he said, that's just your opinion. And I said, well, I said, no, I'm simply repeating what Paul is saying here in the text. Natural, men with women, and unnatural then would be men with men. And he said, no, no, that's just your opinion. And I said, oh, well, then what is Paul saying here? I said, I'm simply repeating what Paul is saying in the text. And he said, that's not Paul speaking. I don't hear Paul. Is that the Apostle Paul? I hear the voice of Pat Zucharan. That's not Paul. And I said, well, I'm simply repeating what the Apostle Paul says in the text. And they go, I don't hear Paul. No, no, I don't hear the Apostle Paul. It's the voice of someone else. And I want to say, well, how do you know what Paul sounds like? But anyway, I said, no, I'm simply repeating what's in the text here. And we were going back and forth. And I said, all right, tell me how you explain it. And, you know, and he said, well, you know, it's homosexual rape. And I said, show me in the text. Natural, it's saying natural, men with women. Unnatural, men with men. You can't get around it. Now, when a society rejects God, they embrace false ideas, which leads to immoral behavior. And that shows you it's a nation in trouble, a nation in decline, when they're embracing immoral behavior as normal and forcing people to say it should be accepted. A recent cartoon in the Chicago Tribune illustrates the wayward path of our society here. Here, Tim Tebow, a professional football player known for his outspoken faith in Christ, declares, I'm a Christian. And the response of the reporter is, keep it to yourself. However, in the next frame, when a relatively unknown NBA player, Jason Collins, comes out and declares, I'm gay, he's met by a fanfare of excited reporters declaring him a hero, eagerly seeking his story and his testimony. This concludes part one of this important message by Pat. I'm sure you found this message sobering, but also challenging. If you missed any part of this message, log on at evidenceandanswers.org to hear it in its entirety. And while you're there, we invite you to read related articles by Pat and other great Christian scholars. Pat's ministry relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by Pat's ministry, please support him in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org so that we may continue to present fine biblical teaching in the defense of the Christian faith. Join us again next week as Pat presents part two of this message taken from Romans chapter one.